Hello, beautiful. You are listening to episode 75 of the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name. I am a writer, self-branding coach, entrepreneur, and mentor. This show is the home of African women's stories. We share ideas, triumphs, challenges, and lessons from our perspective as women. Our library is a step to cementing our place in history. Her story, your story, is powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to all the new listeners and welcome back, my darlings, for coming back. I love you. <laughs> Please hit the subscribe button or visit AfricanaWoman.com to become an official Africana Woman visionary. This episode is brought to you by Concrete Pastures with Nancy Mulemwasisi, the story of an African immigrant. This is a podcast produced by Africana Woman Media. Our mission is to tell more African women's stories by helping you start and maintain your podcast. If you have a burning idea and are interested in launching a podcast, but you don't know where to start from, contact us at AfricanaWoman at gmail.com. Your story is important. So you are going to love this conversation that you're about to hear. This is with Demby Grace and I. It is, it's just wholesome. It just makes you feel like happy. <laughs> I love it. I, I just really love listening to it again. If I was to sum up our conversation, it is about family. Mm, see, you're going to love it. All right. Enjoy. Dembele Hamainda is a 29-year-old Zambian woman. She is the firstborn in a family of four. She completed her secondary education at St. Mary's Secondary School, then proceeded to pursue a Bachelor of Arts degree at Onza. Currently, she is pursuing her master's at Unilus while holding down a full-time job as an inspector, slash PP at Napsa. She'll tell us more about that. I'm also, uh, she's also a full-time mom to a 23-month-old baby boy, but he's going to be too soon, like next week. <laughs> when we're recording this, he's going to be too next week. So very excited about that. She has a side hustle. She is an Avon rep and she basically sells mostly beauty products by Avon. She's hoping to venture into another business sometime when time allows. Cause listen, being a mom, doing a side hustle, working full time, like, and she's studying like guys, 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 she's got a lot on her plate. Um, she believes in valuing family bonds and really helps with the kind of friendships and and relationships you form later in life. So she believes it really helps with the kind of relationships and um, friendships you form later in life. She believes in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At her very worst moment, she believes God hasn't brought, brought her this far to leave her. So he helps her push forward. I'm very, very excited to welcome Dembi. So her name is Dembele, but she goes by Dembi Grace. So I'm sure when you see the posters, you see Dembi Grace and be like, who that? Who that? We're talking about the same person. Dembi, welcome to the Africana Woman podcast. Thank you, Chulu. I'm excited to be here. Ooh, finally, wow. Yay. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I always like to start with this question. What is your favorite childhood memory? 
favorite childhood memory? Uh, I think um, there's this one time. I think every weekend my dad would uh, take my sister and I out to town and the like. And then Monday he opened. So this time we're like, we can't just go to town. We have to go to Manda Hill. He tried to negotiate, but I didn't work until we ended up on Manda Hill. We didn't even do anything, really. But just going to Manda Hill, the old building, before they improved it, it was still really, really nice. Me and my sister, we grew up, the two of us, before we were joined by our Kasuli. I think that's my favorite, really. Uh, so you are, it says you're, um, you're the firstborn of four children, right? I'm the first born of three children uh, on my dad's okay. side yeah. or on my mom's side I'm second yeah but oh. we grew up without my brother so mostly I'm just the first one okay yeah. all right cool how was that being the first born oh, it's crazy huh? everybody's looking up to you especially later in life oh, when you're growing up because my young sister and I my immediate young sister the gap is like one year six months so we just grew up like twins the same people, but as you grow older, you discover that, oh, yeah, the older child, responsibilities fall on you. If anything, it's you. So, like, after my mom died, that became more prominent. So, my our last one was like five at the time. So, I was like, playing mommy, playing firstborn child, dad's uh, helper, pretty much when it comes to do things at home, because he never remarried. So, it's mostly me. So, I've been mm. playing mommy for the longest time. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Um, how old were you when she passed? I was 13, going on 14, yeah. She died, oh, I think, wow. a month before my 14th birthday. W- were you in grade 7 or grade 8 by then? I was in grade 9. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I was on a fast track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, so that, that, but that's still like exam years. So that must have been really, really yeah. hard. It was kind of crazy because she passed on in October. That's like mm. a month before our exams because I think mm. the nine exams were being done in November. So it was a mm. bit crazy. I thought I would actually fail, but shockingly, I did very well. It just became harder, I think, like in 10th grade. That's when my grades went down and the like. I think that's when it kicked in. Like, mm. okay, you have a mommy here. And yeah, things were a bit crazy, but here we are. So why do you think your dad never remarried? I don't really know, but sometimes when I think about it, maybe... Okay, my dad is a special person. He's not the type of person to easily form bonds and relationships with people. Even with his family at times, I'm more like that person who represents our family at family gatherings. So maybe he did it for us or he did it for himself. I'm not really sure. But somehow, somehow him not remarrying has its positives and its negatives, especially that he was raised in three girls. Huh? Oh, you're all girls. Wow. Yeah. Three girls. He's a rich man. I always say that. Like when he marries herself, he'll get like lots of cows. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wow. But that's so commendable that he that he raised you. Because I think sometimes what happens is people get afraid and then they're like, No, let me take the kids and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like they, they could have separated yeah. you that you stayed together. I think that's really amazing. Yeah, actually, I think they wanted to pick up our last one because she was only five at the time. But dad mm-hmm. refused. He said, no, I'll keep them. I'll raise them. If anybody wants to help, they can help from afar. But I'd rather stay with my girls. So maybe that for him was a reminder of the relationship he had with mom. So 
So even if she was no longer there, but the kids were there. So I think it was good for him. Tell us a little bit more about being the firstborn, taking on this mother role. And how how did that... Well, I guess, what was your experience in general? Yeah. It wasn't that easy, really. Because mm-hmm. I think when my peers are up to other things, they want to be teenagers and the like, I couldn't do that. I had to be home to help out with things around the home. And we grew up without having house help. So like nowadays, it's easy where you can employ someone to help you do things. It was us. It was me, my sisters, and our baby sister. So I think that has sort of helped shape me into the kind of person I am right now. I think I'm quite responsible. Sometimes I think I'm irresponsible, but I think people around me say I'm quite responsible. Yeah, it's really helped me be the person that I am today where I know that, okay, these things of the world will always be there. What's important is to ensure that the family is okay, there's food at home, everybody is healthy, everybody is doing well, then I can go out and do other things. Yeah, so somehow I can say I kind of missed out on being a child, but not exactly because I still found a way to balance those things. I didn't have a terrible childhood, to be honest. I can't say it was terrible. Yes, it was hard. It wasn't that easy. But somehow I learned how to balance things in as much as things are crazy now. But if I didn't go through most of the things I went through, I don't think I'll be where I am right now. I think that made me a better person. So what was it like going to university? Did you did you go to university whilst you're still staying at home or you went to live in a boarding house or on campus? My time at university was kind of crazy because I spent time at home. One minute, one minute I'm in school. Next minute I'm by my aunt's place. Because at the time that I went to university, I think my dad, I went to university in 2010. Yeah, he was still in employment, but by 2012, I think was out of employment. But I have this really, really nice aunt who's more like my mom. I can't really call her mom because African tradition, she's from my dad's side. She's more like my dad. You know, so I spent time between my place and her place and school. The only stabilized like in 20, end of 2012, where I stayed in a boarding house, but I was always home. But it was a bit crazy. Like everybody comes to school, their parents help them with this. But then there's me just waiting for the allowances from the government, like our buzzers, which really came in handy because even when there were issues at home with school fees for my young sister as well, that same stipend really came through. It wasn't like um, for other people, other friends of mine, where they have a parent that's helping them before we get those stipends. But I should say I was surrounded by very good friends whose parents were also like my parents. So, like, whatever help comes to the kids, somehow it found itself to me as well. So I'm really glad I have the friends I have, and their parents are, like, very awesome. So it's like whenever one of them loses a parent, it's just like all of us have lost a parent, and it's really sad. Well, what did you study? Uh, I majored in demography and minored in economics. Ideally, the plan was to do economics, but uh, school happens. I was more in love with demography really uh, so for someone who is like a you know a small business and they're trying to do research on um i guess the population and just the demography of the people 
in the area they want to operate in, where would you advise they get that information? From our CSO, that's the Central Statistics Office. But here it's being called by another name now, I just can't remember. It's located on the off Nationalist Road, opposite UTH, the University Teaching Hospital. And then they have everything, all sorts of data you're looking for because they have surveys, the census data, everything is that side. And they'll be in a better place to even recommend where else you can go for some specific data that you're looking for. But I think major surveys on population or censuses in Zambia are conducted by CSO. They even have data on um, in population of animals, cows. I remember there was a time I was assisting somebody who was doing some research, I think in Canada. They needed data from CSO, and that's why I went to get it. So they have all sorts of statistics. Is this free information, or you have to pay? It's free. Last time I went, it was free. It's supposed to be free. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So Mm -hmm. you are a mommy now. And tell me what that was like, especially as someone who has been, you know, in that mother role for quite some time. Then you're having your own little one. So how was that transition? It's quite different. I mean, those children that I had earlier were already adults. I didn't have to carry them. (laughs) Yeah. But I think my mommy role started even before I had my own child, apart from those adult children, because my sister, my immediate young sister, had a child first in 2015. Yeah. So we had a baby. like, oh, a new child. And then she comes home. She's giving me this child. I'm like, I can't carry that child. It's too small. <laughs> they literally begged me to carry the child. Like the first time to hold him, I'm like, ooh. Okay. So that was interesting. And, uh, yeah, so by the time I was having mine, it wasn't so new. I was actually very excited. The thing that scared me the most was breastfeeding. And it was a boy, so I was just thinking, I'm not going to breastfeed this child. But funny enough, I didn't know it was a boy until it came. But the moment they gave me the child in the hospital, I was just like, here, eat, suck, suck, here's the food. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey, raising your own child. At first, I thought it would be a bit easier because we had pores. First, the first one is pores, the second one is wangu. So, but it was a bit different because by the time Paul was growing, I had moved. I was transferred to Kitwe, where. So, I never really got to see my first baby that much. But when this one came, my own who I carried, it was interesting. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. No, it's fortunate, unfortunate. I had to have an operation. So, like the first few weeks, first month were really tougher. Huh? We're trying to heal, and then you have a tiny person. But I'm glad we, we got through it. We're still learning each other, and every day is a milestone. Like the things that he does, they're just amazing. Or the new words he picks up, oh, they're really nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like, right now his favorite word is, okay, I don't know, and no. <laughs> yeah. So who is there to support you? Because you are there to support your sister, but who came to support you? Um, I have an aunt, my dad's young sister. She's like an amazing woman. So I think three weeks before I get there, she came through. So we're together. We're really bonding, tell stories about family, gossip about family members. I mean, we all do that. But yeah, she was really there for me. She got me through the whole process. At the time I went to hospital, the day I got into labor, I didn't even really know it was labor 
because I had completed my 40 weeks, the whole 40 weeks. So I was just like, oosh, I'm feeling some funny pain. In the morning, I just woke up. So she's like, ah, madam, then we should start off. <laughs> and that's how we started off. Left home like at six. By 12, or 13, I had the baby. Yeah. So I was that close. It's just like I got into a complication. Then they had to chop me up and we had the baby. And she was there throughout the time. At least she helped with um, this taking care of me basically through the pain. It's really rough. Like the beginning, nobody ever tells you about the aftermath. They'll tell you about how you should be when you're pregnant, how you need to prepare for the baby. But the aftermath, no one tells you this baby won't sleep. No one tells you you have to wake up and feed it. No one will tell you that your back is going to hurt this much, your feet will swell. Nobody ever really tells you that. But you get to learn. So now I think I'm excited to have another one. <laughs> She's like, I have, my back was hurting. Like, this was swelling. And I want another one. <laughs> I'm right. Before I forget. <laughs> okay, let me finish school first. Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness that is hilarious i was like i have one son when i had him i was like yep this is the last time first time last time i'm done i'm not doing this again no thank you <laughs> encourage me let's encourage each other babies uh, are nice no 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 i love i love other people's babies because i can give them back <laughs> so you know i think they're fabulous <laughs> I know, right? But yours is like yours. You know, like that same, like the, the crying the whole night and all of mm-hmm. that. Like, you okay, can't go and say, fun. you know what, babe, this is your baby. Like, here, take your child. God do that. It's like, it's just you. <laughs> so I was like, I know, right? And then I'm thinking, like, 13 years, I start starting from zero again. Now, what? Uh, yeah. You can do it, Chile. You ah. can do it. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can have my nieces, my nephews, everybody. I don't care how many they are. They can all come to my place. I love it when they're here. But just that, just the thought of starting from zero. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what it does to me. So I will be there for you, girl. I'll be singing and dancing and celebrating. <laughs> don't worry. I'm very good. I'm, yeah, I'm a nice auntie. <laughs> <laughs> we need more aunties like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness me. Oh. Yeah. But tell me, tell me about your dating life and all of that good stuff. Or your yeah. love life. I shouldn't say dating life. Love life. I was hoping this question does Uh huh. Tell us. Tell us. Well, it's Well, <laughs> so at the moment, baby daddy is there. Um, I think we're good. We talk. We're together somehow, somehow, somewhere. But the thing is, um, I think when you start dating a person, because we started off in a long-distance relationship, I was in Kitwe, he was in Osaka. We met in Osaka, then I got transferred, like I mentioned. Then we got to know each other more. We started dating, it was official. Two years later, was it even two years? Yeah, about two years later, we had the baby. But then I moved back to Osaka and... Things haven't really gone as planned. But I think we're just getting to know each other more now that we're closer. Because I think there's a difference between dating somebody very far and dating somebody when you're in the same place. So we're still adjusting to having each other in each other's life very close than like before. 
Yeah, so we're still learning each other, going there. Yeah, but I'm not yet married. No. <laughs> You're just ready for another one. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just ready for another child. It's an innocent child. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you living with him? No, it's just my son and I, but he's almost here every day. So, yeah, yeah. he's around. Yeah. Very, very around. But yeah. we're not staying together yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very yeah. interesting um, when people have long-distance relationships. I think a lot of people want to say, oh, I could never do a long-distance relationship. But then mm-hmm. there are also a lot of other people that do have long-distance relationships, but then we don't really talk about you know, what happens when you actually get into each other's spaces, you know, Mm -hmm. and just that um, adjusting to seeing, because I feel like there's a lot of independence that happens when you're apart. Like, yeah, you'll be communicating and all of that, but I I don't know, there's, there's, there's just more autonomy, I'd say, because, you know, you just get up, you go with your day and all of that. But then when you're now together, it's like, oh, okay. Now you have to be very considerate about yeah. the other person. Yeah. But what was your experience with um, long distance relationship, with a long distance relationship? Um, just like you put it, there's like a lot of independence. Like, okay, we saw each other maybe at least two, three times in a month. But this was just like over the weekend and I traveled the most. So I don't know, maybe it's being the girl or the guy, but I'm off to Osaka. Friday evening, Saturday morning, I'm off to Osaka and back on Sunday, Monday. Yeah, it was, it was quite exciting. You really get to miss each other. When you see each other, you just want to be together and the like. And when the distance got cut and I moved back to Osaka, the challenge that has been there is that for me, this was the only friend I had, Osaka. Oh, not really the only friend, but the person I saw the most. Person I got. So it's like I'm back with a new life. I can't really pick up my other friendships where they were because mostly we're just like on the phone, not really hanging out. But for the person, they had a life in Osaka. They have what they do every day. So now they have to like... Um, adjust their calendar and squeeze me in their schedule. So like maybe it's easiest to hang out over the weekend, but I would want to hang out every day now because I'm here. My other friends are not really available. You're the person I was closest to. So that has been a challenge whereby for me that I had in a different town is over. So I'm trying to come here to have a life with you, but you already had a life. So now you have to make like maybe major adjustments to try to fit me in. And then at the end of the day, I would feel like I'm not really being given as much attention as I want. But then this is how I understood it now. It's because the other person already had a life here. So for them, they continue. But then for me, it becomes a bit difficult. I can't do what I used to do in the other town because now I've moved. I'm here. But I just, I found comfort in my child in my son so whenever the other person is not there i i just need to adjust to the baby and oh you have a new friend at least i have the baby it should have been crazy if the baby wasn't here yeah so it becomes crazy but then also it's a good thing because now you get to learn each other again 
Because now you're closer, you're able to see what this person does every day. They're able to see what you live your life, how you live your life every day. And you get to decide whether you want this to continue. Is it worth fighting or should it end today? So what are your thoughts on making friends as an adult? It's a bit crazy, to be honest. Because I think by the time you're getting into this adulthood thing, you would have already established certain things about yourself, the kind of person you want to be, which kind of clashes with everybody else because they're, they're also their own person. When it comes to adult friendships, it's not that easy. It only becomes easier maybe when you find somebody who you can share a similar background with. Yeah, so when I went to Kitwe, the department I was in was filled with people who were much older than me. These are family people, married with kids. And I was just like, no kids, not married. So in as much as you may laugh, but there's a limit to that. I needed a friend who was like at my level, for lack of better terms. Yeah. So the other people I could get close to were from a different department. They were much, much younger, most of them single, no kids and the like. So those were my peers. But unfortunately, again, in that group, these were already close. They had already formed their circle and the like. So it wasn't easy for me to penetrate, especially that I came from uh, a different department. So sometimes, especially smaller offices, there's this thing where if it's inspectors, they'll just hang out as inspectors. If they're customer services people, they'll hang out as customer services people. But I tried every now and then, but it really did work out. Like, I couldn't really find somebody who I can say I can trust, I can chill with beyond working hours until maybe after a few months. It took me a few months, especially that I spent most of my time in Osaka. I was in and out of Kitwe. I met this person, some some lady. She's like a very close friend of mine now. She grew up in Osaka as well, so we had um, similar backgrounds. How she grew up with her family, though for her, she lost a dad at an earlier stage. I lost a mom. Life was crazy growing up. Um, so we, we used to meet, share stories on how we grew up and be thankful for where we are now, now that we're working. Like People didn't really expect us, like maybe family and neighbors didn't really expect us to get through life and prosper, for lack of better terms. Yeah, but here we are. In as much as life is not at its easiest, but it's okay. So... When you find somebody who you can share a similar past with, it becomes easier to build the friendship even in adulthood. I mean, it it does take time, but, you know, I think it is possible. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like you, you took time and then you, you found the lady who you had um, a similar background with. Yeah, but I think I hear it all the time. A lot of people talk about how, you know, in adulthood, it's very difficult to find friends. And, you know, it's just just that challenge anyway. But anyway, we have to persevere and push yeah. through. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, it also just depends on how open and free you are as an individual. Like, for me personally, I believe every person is nice until they just end up doing something crazy. But I choose to believe that every person is nice. So it's just easy, should be easy to just treat everybody as a human being. If you click, you click. If you don't click, you don't click. But yeah, I'm, I don't think I'm the type who can just say, oh, that person, I don't talk to them. But it's also the vibe that you get from the other person. But I've also learned that sometimes people who may seem difficult are just shy. 
maybe they maybe they can't communicate in your language and the like, but they're just shy to be honest. Because there are certain people who I love with now who I never thought would be my friends in this life. That's so true. I think for me, mm-hmm. one thing that I have always struggled with is that um, most of my friends are abroad, like in other countries and stuff like that. And people mm-hmm. always say, you know, you need to make friends. And I'm like, uh, the effort, the energy. <laughs> and I Great. But I think... I think I have managed to at least have, you know, some good friends. Um, cause I'm, I'm also not the type of person who needs to have like a lot of friends. Cause I know there's a people who just want to be like social butterflies. They're like, you know, all of us. <laughs> quality is more important than quantity. And That's true. I, yeah, like I appreciate the people that I, I do talk to, um, and that I call friends right now. But you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you have a very close knit family. And for me, I always, um, I'm always, I don't know if it's amazed or fascinated, but I just like to see when, you know, families actually like to spend time with each other because they are, they are families that, you know, that are just not as close all the time, you know, um, you know, where you, you either talk to each other often or at least visit each other. What do you think has, kept you guys together maybe something that has really bonded us maybe it's the loss of our mom it hits us maybe in different ways that we've never really gotten the chance to talk about but then we still maybe the loss was so shocking that we don't want to lose anybody else that's within us and we grew up in a small house so everybody was in each other's face at all times like oh there you are oh there you are and there was no option, but just be close. You know, and mom was around. I think we're, we're still close enough. So again, this small house really helps. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that. We're like each other's friends. We're dependent on each other, one way or the other, even if people may act crazy every now and then. Or even my dad, sometimes you complain, oh, this man hasn't done this. Maybe he wasn't there for us as much as we would have wanted him to be. But everyone has their strengths. If I need something fixed, I need something done in my house, I'll always call my dad. We, yeah, we understand each other like that. If I need someone to help me with the baby, I'll have Benzu to take care of the child. They just need to ask her nicely because now we're an adult, we're busy. <laughs> yeah, and if I need a friend, like my first friend was my immediate young sister. If I need a friend, she's always there for me. Yeah, but I remember even in Kitchen, most of my airtime would finish on her. I would buy it, and I don't know how many times in a month because of her trying to make minutes. Even when we're laughing, I remember this one time, my colleague, my office mate, I was on the phone talking to my sister, laughing, just gossiping and just saying crazy stuff. So after the call, he's like, was that your sister you were talking to? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, wow. Usually I only get to have such conversations with cousins, the ones I'm close to. It's so amazing that you and your sister can actually bond like that. I've even noticed in some of, our other families or other groups, as from my dad's side or my mom's side, siblings are not that close. Like, yeah, they know each other, but not like my sister and I. I think we have a good relationship. Uh, that's amazing. But tell me, why, why do you think you haven't spoken about your mom's loss? Mainly, I think, because the way culturally we've been raised, we don't really talk about these things. We don't talk about loss. Basically, we, we just move on. I don't know, we're just expected to move on and not really talk about stuff. I don't know if it's about our culture or tradition. 
it's like the way we can't even ask questions. Maybe they just say, don't do this, don't do that. And you're just supposed to not, oh, you don't do this, which for me, it's not good because we should be able to talk about certain things because it helps move on from that. As if, for example, even the way if someone wrongs you in a family, they don't say sorry, but the following morning, we're just supposed to continue talking. So basically, I think it's how we've been raised. So it's something to do with our culture, really. Yeah. I don't know if I'm really at the point where I would really want to talk about it anymore, because somehow we have learned to get past it. <laughs> do you know, I, it's kind of interesting, though, because I, I found uh, when I was abroad and people <laughs> experienced grief, they experienced some, some loss, they found it so hard to to move on or to just mm-hmm. um, accept what has happened. And then I was like trying to compare it to here, like back home and just think about, okay, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's that people die more often or like the families are bigger. So then there's more people that are dying often, but I just found it really strange how... Um, you know, I'd meet people in like the States and or, or the UK and when they lost someone, it was like probably maybe the first time they've lost someone and it was just devastating beyond, beyond, you know, and they just couldn't cope and all of that. And I, and I, and then I used to think that, okay, maybe it's the way that we, we do the, 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 the ceremony itself, you know, like, um, you, you know, where people will come, well, back then, I don't know about now if people are still doing it, but, you know, it will be like a few days where, you know, the chief mourner at least would get to mourn and cry and cry um, about the loss of the person. And I don't know, there's, I don't know, it's, it was just very interesting to me. Is there any uh, way that you that your dad kept your mom's memory alive? I think mostly just him being present physically. Yeah, like um, yeah, he was there physically. He's he's always been there. So maybe somehow that really helped because mom was always there physically. He's not the type that uh, really travels goes anywhere. Because I remember this one time he had to travel for work. They used to have uh, meetings in Kitwe. So they, they would go in the morning, come back in the evening. But this one time he had to go for a few days. Oh, it was terrible. He called home, no, I miss you, my babies. I love you, my babies. I guess this one has got letting go issues. <laughs> yeah. So I think mostly it's just him being there physically. Maybe it's pretty much the best that he could do, given his circumstances as well. Maybe he couldn't, maybe it's the best that he could do, just being there physically. So he's the type of person, even like with my young sister, our last one, he'll fight with her, but whenever she needs something, so her school is like, did he go and get this report card for me? Oh, did he go and do this? Did he do this, do this for me? And like, this is the same person that you're ever fighting with. So I think that's the best way he's kept mom's memory alive for us. So, okay, so what... What would you say is your hope for Wangu and for Paul? Like, when they're growing up, what do you hope for them? I, I hope they, 
grow up to be responsible adults, to really value family bonds and be as close as possible. Because to be honest, the blood is thicker than water. So once we mess that up, then we can, we'll get really stuck. I've noticed like nowadays we found um, comfort in friends and the like. Ideally, it's not supposed to be like that, but it's like that because people are not valuing family bonds. You want to fight with your relative. The same relative who's supposed to help you out is the person who you are bad-mouthing. You, you don't want to be there for them, forgetting that this person is going to grow tomorrow and they turn into somebody. Because for myself, I've seen it. Like the time mom died, we expected certain people to be around, but they distanced themselves, found comfort in other just random people, like friends, like family, my mom's friends and the like. So I think what I hope for my children is that they grow up to value that family bonds, really. It will help them grow up into better adults. And hopefully we could live long enough to see them grow into those adults, be grandmas and the like. But unfortunately, we don't have control over this life. We can only do so much. All right, Dembi, if people want to support you and um, support your Avon business, how do they get in contact with you? How do they find out what you are up to? Let us know. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp. So if you want to order Avon stuff for me, I think I'm best reachable by my number, through my number. Yeah. Should I give out my number? <laughs> Do you want to go ahead? What's your first of all? What's your social media link? You didn't say. Yeah. So Facebook, it's just Denby Grace. It's Denby Grace D M B Y and Grace. Uh, on Instagram, it's Dembele the second, like Dembele underscore two. Yeah. Say my full name. I, I feel exotic sometimes. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever met somebody else with your name? In this country, no, apart from my cousin, because it's a family name, So, but I'm the only one who uses it officially as a first name. And then there are others that after growing up research uh, was um, football. Mostly they come from Mali. There's like a Musa Dembele, he plays for France, but he's oh. from Mali. I think it's a Malian name. It's quite common in Mali. So maybe I have relatives that side. But it was my grandma's nickname. So Toso Zambian. <laughs> Ah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it. It was a very long time before I met someone with my name. Yeah, as in someone who uses it as a first name, because then a lot of people use Chulu as a last name. But someone who uses it as a first yes. name it was very. It took a very long time for me to meet someone. Interesting, interesting. All right, my dear. Thank you so, so much for coming on the Africana Woman Podcast. Listen, we persevered. This, 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 we this. Persevered. What they were just trying to make us just not live our best right. life. I feel like I always say. <laughs> We made it. We did it. We're here. Thank you. Thank you, my darling. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. Yeah, this this is a gain for me. It's something that I've done this year and that has made me happy. It's something for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel happy. I feel proud. Thank you for having me. 
I have to give another shout out to Dembi's dad for being a single parent. And on top of that, to three girls. Listen, ladies, if you're looking for a responsible and loving Silver Fox, he's right here. Hey, hey, hey. let's find him and let it, guys. <laughs> I am just playing. Please do not email me for a hookup, please. <laughs> okay, in all seriousness, I think I, I know that I am guilty of thinking that African men do not have the tenderness to take on being the primary caregiver or provider um, for their own children. Their own children. Can you imagine, guys? Am I alone in this way of thinking? Don't leave me hanging, hey. <laughs> I I just think it's it's great to see a man step up and take on the father role in in such a an involving way, you know? Anyway, shifting gears a little, what do you guys think about loyalty to friends over family? I definitely feel like there has been a strong shift in terms of our generation where we are really big on, you know, the saying, friends are the family that we choose, right? I, I mean, you know, if you just look at your parents right now, you know, whether or maybe if it's not your parents, like your aunties, your uncles, just look at them. Who are their best friends? Who are the ones that they hang out with the most? It's probably a sibling, but we cannot say the same for our generation. And that's like millennials going down, right? Uh, we tend to feel more supported by our friends. And I wonder if there is a way to reverse that. I don't know, guys. What do you think? Is blood thicker than friendship bonds? Please drop a comment on my socials. I, I don't really have a prescriptive answer or anything prescriptive to say this week, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So my peoples, you know how we do celebrate our beautiful Africana woman, Dembi. Hey, by finding her on Instagram at Dembele. And that's with an underscore at the end. Tell her you heard her on the Africana woman podcast and Tell her thank you. You know, we love to hear your feedback. So speaking about social media, friend, when I go through some of your pages or, you know, other people's pages, I'm not going to mention who, <laughs> but I think it's just one of those things where I'm just cringing. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like, you know how you watch a horror movie and you have your hands covering your eyes, but you're kind of like seeing in between the cracks, you know, it's like, I no, babes, babes, why, why are you doing that? Yeah. Anyway, if you know anything about me, um, you know that I love um, marketing. I love branding. And one of the things that I have really utilized to grow my businesses in the past and currently is social media. I grew my cake business page um, on Facebook that is to 20,000 followers. And that's like, you know, like a, like a, like a small little company. <laughs> But we managed to grow it to, you know, 20,000 plus followers. And mostly we did this by following some simple principles of social media. So I want to help you monetize and maximize your own social media. I know I hate it. You know, you go to these conferences and all these events and then they're telling you, oh, use social media. But no one actually tells you how to use it. How, you know, they'll tell you, oh, you should be monetizing your social media. And I'm like, but 
tell us how, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so what I want to do is I want to break the mystery around that. And I will be hosting workshops every month going forward that focus on, you know, different platforms one at a time. I will be doing two sessions and that will be one in person, which is in Cowboy, guys. I live in Cowboy. <laughs> and one online for all of you amazing people that are my global family. Love you guys. So check out the details on my socials and I hope to see you there. I really do believe that if you corrected some simple mistakes, you would become kick-ass at reaping the benefits of social media. So see you in class. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My playground is Instagram. Find me at Chulu by Design. Tag me. Tell your friends about the Africana Woman podcast. And again, leave a review, especially on Apple podcast, because that helps us spread the word about this show. And we want more African sisters out there in the world to find out that we're here and we're having these amazing conversations. So talk to you soon. This has been a production of Africana Woman Media. Mm-hmm.